Okay, let's begin our discussion of Parsha Shmos, Tavshin Pei Gimel, a new Sefer in uh, in our world. And tonight she is sponsored Lili Nishbas, Mrs. Beatrice Cook, Basia Bas Nachum Bear by Dr. Arthur and Linda Cook and family. We thank you for the sponsorship and the Neshama should have an Aliyah. So let us get right into it. Again, we have some of our favorite thoughts in Parsha Shmos, uh, which we've mentioned in other years, but uh, we will try not to uh, repeat. But uh, remember the Rav Yerucham on Shifra and Pua and uh, Rav Salvechik on Waidafka, the snare wasn't burning and uh, the name Moshe Minamayim Mishisihu a lot of uh, oldies but goodies. But uh, we continue now with something new, uh, relatively new, and that is the beginning, something about the Sefer itself. We mentioned a number of years ago <laughs> the comment of the Nitziv in his Hagdama to Sefer Shmos. If you look in source number one, the Rinath Yizcha quotes the Nitziv at the beginning of the Parsha, uh, who co- is commenting on the Bahag. The Bahag, the Baal Halachas Gedolos, has a name for each of the Svarim of Chumash. Right, Sefer Bracious, uh, Sefer Hayat, Chazal call it Sefer Hayashar, and Sefer Vayikra has a name, and, um, and a Kohanim, and Chumash Apakudim, they all have a name. Shmos is called by the Bahag, Sefer Sheni. The second Sefer. And then Nisim is bothered. What, you couldn't come up with a better name than that? Sefer Sheni? <coughs> Sefer, the Ramban calls it Sefer Galus Vigula. There are many names. And if you're going to tell me that, no, it's just about numbers, so then it should be that all the names should have, all the Sfarim should be called 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You want to just call it numbers. So that's the question that the Nesiv already asked on the uh, the Bahag. The Bahag Chashem Chamishi Chum Torah Sefer Bracious Chum Koanim Pekudim and Mishnah Torah. And the Nesiv in the Hagdama already points out, we did that a number of years ago, to Havela Bahag Likro Kulam B'Mispar Chum Shlishi. Olikroso, all of them, a name. So the Gra, I mean the uh, the Nitziv had answered that because according to the Bahag, the Mahus of Shmos is a Hemshech of Bracious. And that's the emphasis, that they're one connected Sefer. It's about creation, not just creation of the world or creation of a family, but a creation of a nation. Right? And that's why he emphasized, he wants to emphasize the connection between the two, and that's why it's called Sefer Sheni. But suggests the Rinas Yitzchak here, Rev Saratskin, that maybe there is something uh, deeper based on... He's two parts to this thought, based on a thought of the Grah, in Aderas Eliyahu at the beginning of Dvarim. If you look in the Grah there, in the beginning of Aderas Eliyahu, he says, really, there are three books in the Torah. There are three books in the Torah. Shahatorah Gimel Svarim, Shem Shmos Vayikra Bamidbar. Bracious is really the foundation for, upon which the Torah is, the rest of the Torah is built. So what's his words? So look at source number two. I gave you the Adaris Elio. If you look on the bottom of the page for a moment, uh, I gave you the Adaris Elio, then we'll go back to the uh, Rinas Yitzchak. The Gra there first points out, he breaks up all of Sefer Dvarim into three parts. Starting with Elah HaDvarim at the beginning of Dvarim, and then he goes all the way, he says, uh, look at the third line. Here he's first talking about Sefer Dvarim. Gimel Chalakim. Hainu mitchilas ha-sefer ad va-yikra. Kshakodem ha-seres ha-dibros. The first couple of prakim, before you, until you get to the middle of Eschanan. Mibidbar b'inyani musr. That's musr and, um, and ethics. Umin va-yikra ad brachos v'klalos. All that's the major chunk of Dvarim. Right? That's tons of mitzvahs. Shabbat Kisavo. From the middle of Eschan until Kisavo. That's the second part of Dvarim. Medabar mitzvahs. So you have Musr in the first part of Dvarim. And then you have mitzvos, that's the major chunk of Dvarim. And then, Misham Be'elach, Madabar, Abrachas, Veklalos, Vishar, and Yanim, other messages that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to give before he died. Volachain, he says, there's an exact parallel, um, says the Gra, between the three parts of Dvarim and the three Svarim of the Torah, Shmos, Vayikra, and Bamidbar. It starts off with the same words. At the beginning of Eila Dvarim is connected to Ve'ela Shmos. The second part of Dvarim, before the Aserah Zebra starts off with the word Vayikra. 
right? And the third part, right, talks about um, <coughs> um, uh, Bamidbar. It talks about the Midbar and also connect. It's a word connection also. Ve'elu agimalim kolal shel kolat Torah. Vatorah gamkin gimel sfarim. Shemish post ve'ikra bemidbar. The Gra says the Torah is also three parts. Ubrachus who shorish shel kolat kula. The brachus is the foundation. The Iker part of the, not the Iker part, the, the uh, part of the Torah that is the middle section, let's say, the part of the Torah of Shmos Ve'ikra by Midbar, Bracious is the background, Dvarim is the repeat, so to speak. And that's why Dvarim is broken up into three. And that's why also he says, there are three Sifrei Medrash Halacha. Right, the Sifra, the Sifri, and the Mechilta, the Sifra and Vayikra. The Sifri we have on Tvarim, and the Mechilta we have on Shmos. Not only because Breshas doesn't have any mitzvahs or halacha, but he thinks it's uh, parallel to the three parts. And he says maybe that's another idea to the Gemara and Shabbos, which talks all about the three. The three, the Orion Tlisa, the Gimel Svarim, which the uh, Mepharshim say there, the, the, Gemara, the Gemara says that the Torah, the triple Torah, which we uh, assume is Tornavim Ksuvim, given by the in the third month, given on the third day of the Prisha, given by the third child of Amram and Yocheved. It's all threes. But suggest the Grah that the, the triple Torah there is not Tornavim Ksuvim. It's the three to- parts of the Torah, Shmos Vayikra and Bamidbar. And he continues. Suggest the Rinas Yitzchak. That's all background. So that thought of the Grah, I think we mentioned a number of years ago, that the Torah could be split up into three parts. Bracious is the foundation. Shmos Fikra by Midbar. And then Dvarim is, is a post. Maybe the message of the Bahag is that he argues on this. And he says Shmos is second. Don't tell me that Bracious is just a background. And Bracious is the just, I shouldn't say just, a background or a foundation. That itself is crucial. But says the back to source number one now, says the Rinas Yitzchak on line 18, Vanira de Bahabag Polig, the Sover de Gam Sefer Bracious, Chashuv Michal Sefriya Torah. Bracious is also Torah. The Chashuv Sefer Shmo Sefer Shani, to emphasize, don't think this is the first one. Lalamdenu, Shagam Sefer Bracious, Michal Sefriya Torah, the Sefer Shmo's Chashuv Sefer Shani. So that's his message. Maybe this Bahag is against that grunt. But then he says that there's an important way, so to speak, we might call it an afgamina, a, a different way of looking at Sefer Bracious, depending on whether you have a Gra point of view or a Bahag point of view. Ubevir Adavar, he quotes from the Biskarov. The question that uh, various Mepharshim ask um, in different formulations, the Mishnah Lamelech has a whole Sefer about this, about the status of Jews, or I should even say, the status of the earlier members of our nation. Were they Jews? Were they super B'nai Noach? Were they pre-Jews? The Gemara says that the Avos kept the Torah before it was given. Was it really Torah? Or was it something that mirrored what Torah was going to be, but it wasn't actually Torah and mitzvos. So that's a question that's asked by the Briskarov. Im koden matan Torah, hayashayach eitzel ha'avos, ikir ha'chefsa shel Torah, could their lives be defined as Torah? V'olimudam hayashayach l'ki and mitzvos Talmud Torah, and their learning was Talmud Torah. Like, what they do in Beis Medrash Shem Ve'ever? Did they learn Torah, or did they learn about God? And they learn about ethics of, and the Ratzon of Hashem. But maybe it's not Torah, or maybe it is. That's the question. And he quoted, the Briskarov quoted a raya from the Medras, the Sifri. Because in the Sifri, he quotes on the bottom of the column, Torah Tzivalana Moshe Marash Agilas Yaakov. V'chim Moshe, mi Moshe anachson as a Torah? The whole Torah comes from Moshe? Torah Tzivalana Moshe? V'halo avoseinu zachuba. Morasha Kihilas Yaakov. So the Medrash is bothered. Wasn't there Torah beforehand? So the assumption of that Medrash is that there is something like Torah beforehand. Ha'avos ha'yu begeder Yisrael. V'kfar ha'yachefsa shal Torah. V'yashayach b'ha'avos. And nay, that sounds that way from the Rambam too. The Rambam, yes, there's a Rambam that we've quoted in the past. The Rambam in the Pirish Mishnayis in Mesechas Chulin on Daf Kuf emphasizes that the reason that we are obligated in mitzvos today is because of our Sinai. Not because of what happened beforehand. Not, we do bris milah because Moshe Rabbeinu told us to do bris milah. Not because Avram Avinu did bris milah. That's true. That's why mitzvos are obligatory upon us. 
But in terms of the history of the mitzvah, the Ramam agrees that the history of the mitzvah could be even beforehand. But the question that we're asking now is, in that history of the mitzvah, is it called really a mitzvah? Is it called Torah? That's the briska rab. And he says, he thinks that the Rambam himself says that in Hilchos Malachim, where the Rambam says that Adam Arishon received, was commanded six mitzvahs, and then Noah got a seventh mitzvah, and then Avram Avinu was nitzavah on brismila, and then Yitzchak added, and Yaakov added, and Amram got other mitzvahs. So it's clear that the Rambam's Lashon, the Rambam's Lashon is Vinishlama Torah al-Yado on line 13. And once Moshe Rabbeinu received the rest, the Torah was completed. So that Lashon sounds like there was Torah, the status of Torah beforehand, and therefore says the Rinas Yisrach, maybe that all works better with the Shita of the Bahag. That Bracious is also part of the Torah. It's not just a foundation. And again, the Minagaolam, as we call it, Chumish. We call it Chamisha Chumshe Torah. And Chazal have that already. But again, the Gra would say that's just technically, structurally, but it doesn't mean conceptually. There could be three with the foundation and the, and the repeat. But either way, this is the Bahag and the Gra and the Rinas Yitzchak. Okay. Moving right along, we get into the first Pasuk of the Parsha. First Pasuk of the Parsha. Ve'ele Shmos B'nei Yisrael Abba Mitzrayma. These are the names of the, names of the Jews. B'nei Yisrael. First time we're called a nation. B'nei Yisrael right here. Ace Yaakov, Ishuv, Esobo. Yaakov came with his family. And we again have the list of the Shvatim. Ruvain, right? All of them. Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, etc. And the Mepharshim already bothered. Right? Rashi already is bothered. Didn't we already have this list at the end of Ayigash? In the middle of Ayigash, we had the list of the Jews that went down to Mizraim. So why are we repeating? So Rashi quotes... Because counting reflects love. Even though we were already counted, they were already counted in their lifetime. Also, they're counted again here as they die. So to let them know, let us know, uh, the love that Hashem has that we're like um, stars. HaKadosh Baruch Hu counts the stars. And he counts us. You count what you love. And therefore, that's why it's repeated. But it's interesting, the Aznayim Torah points out, Rav Saratskin also, right, getting to two in a row. But now we're getting, first we did the descendant, and now we're doing the predecessor. Rav Zalman Saratskin, the Aznayim Torah says, but in Vayigash there's more details. Right? In Vayigash we have the children and the grandchildren. They're all listed there. Right, all 70 are listed there. And here, it's just the names of the Shvatim. So maybe that reflects something different. Different shot than Rashi. Different shot. So what's number three? It says the Azayim Torah. Umebnei chashivu samshal ha-shvatim nimnu bimisasam shenis. Avalom anemar gamkan haboim mitzrayma. Vahalo ba'u az lefnei kemei ashana. Also, another question. <laughs> Why does it say, Bnei Yisrael haboim mitzrayma? Right, we already know that they, that they came to Mitzrayim a long time ago. Right, so why? Ella says Rav Saratskin, Mishemes Yosef Nitnu Alehem Mashui. Venidva Kila Osa Yom Nechmasul Mitzrayim. All of a sudden, things have changed, as we know. There was already a hint to this at the end of Sefer Abracious, but things have changed. Now, the Shibut is starting. Right, now the difficulty. Venira Lee, we have to see, right? This is a new experience. You know, they didn't feel the coming to Mitzrayim, coming to a strange land when they first came. They were living in Goshen, and they were learning, and they weren't being subjugated. But all of a sudden, they've come to Mitzrayim. All of a sudden. Their names haven't changed, but you know what? There are many less names now. They're no longer individuals. Right? In Vayigash, they were individuals. Every single person that came down, it wasn't just a mass of people. They were individuals. But now Mitzrayim, they lost that status. They weren't looked at as individuals anymore. Right? What did Paro say a little bit later on? This nation, right, the first 
The first one that tries to have the, the final solution. Rahman al-Islam. What does Paro say? Haban ishaq, this arm. This arm is so, there's so many of them. It's like talking like you would use this lashon when you call the exterminator. Right? You would say, there are so many bugs. Right? What does Paro say? There are just so many of them. We have to have an exterminator. Right? They're no longer, they're no longer individuals. That's what's reflected, says Surutskin. They list the names of the Shvatim. Okay, those are categories. But there's a lot more of them now. But they're no longer. Continuing, skip down a couple of lines. The Atal line 22. Achrei Mos Yosef. V'chol adarahu avchu emetsirim zadar asheni shal hanesichim la'avdei olam. They're no longer princes. They're servants. They're slaves. Sh'rabam mamsilahem ra'os v'tsaros. Rotzev avodasam. V'avadim bechlal ein darken li'imanos b'shemos. Right, we don't have names. The dialadas is chuma kolel, just the total. Shekach v'kach avadim bo'u mitzrayma, panim chadoshos bo'u lekan. Rachman alitzlan often, most recently during the Shoah. Right, one of the first things that the the Germans did yemach shemam was to remove our names, and they gave us numbers. Because when you're a number, you've lost your identity. And you know, numbers are a group. How many? How many are they here? Right, there isn't one, two, three. They're, they're numbers. They're not. They're not names, and that's what the Mitzrayim did. That's how they looked at us. Right, that's why we went from the whole list of seventy uh, written in the Torah. That's the illusion of having them only listed as groups, larger groups, shvatim. Okay, a little bit more on the names at the beginning of the of the parsha, and then we'll go further. So we have all the names: Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. There is a Medrash. The Medrash tells us, famous Medrash, have at the beginning of quoted in source number four, the Klayakar. Says the Klayakar, Bischus Daladvarm, and the Klayakar was, excuse me, chief rabbi in, in Prague, right after the Maharal. Prague was Zoha, we've mentioned to amazing Rabbanim, the Maharal, the Klayakar, the Shlakadosh was in Eretz Yisrael before, was in Prague before he went to Eretz Yisrael. So says the Klayakar, Bischus Daladvarm, Nigla was in Mitzrayim, as we know. Bishchus, four things that Bnei Yisrael abided by, we were zochet to be redeemed. Bishchus, Shaloshinu Ashmam, Ve'esloshona, we didn't change our names, we didn't change our language. V'shahayu Gedurim Me'arayos, we kept family uh, separation. V'lohayu Bemdil Torin, and we didn't... Um, we didn't ta- we didn't rat on people. We didn't um, give over other people's secrets. Says the Klayakar, these directly helped create the Geula. It wasn't just, oh, we did these four things, so Hashem said, okay, I'll give you the Geula as a nice reward. These four directly helped bring about the Geula and made it possible. Why? Says the... In a deeper sense, all the names of the Shvatim were simanim and hints to the redemption. Reuven, Reuven, Reu, I see. Hashem sees our, our subjugation. Shimon, Hashem hears our groaning. If you look in the Yalkut, all of the names of the Shvatim have to do with Geula, with Hashem listening and seeing and answering. So if we didn't have Reuven, then all of these Ramazim wouldn't be able to be true. The names Reuven and Shimon and Levi, they kept them. If we would have changed our names, then there's no remit. Reuven, Reu, Bayar Hashem, right? Shimon, Bayishma Hashem. So we needed those names as a step towards the Geula. If we would have changed those names, then, then there's no remis. If we change the names that are Marabi's Tegula, what does that show? We're not interested. We don't believe in it. We're not dreaming of it. Or maybe, maybe the grandchildren would, would know that their grandfather's name was connected to Gula and no longer is that name in use. Maybe, maybe they'll be Mesiaish. Similarly, says the Klayakar, if we would have changed our language. The name is only a remez to Geula if we speak that language. 
So not only is the name crucial for the Geula, but the language is crucial. Even if they wouldn't change the name, right? You could have a Hebrew name, but speak a different language, and then you would you won't know. You won't appreciate. We spoke a different language. So that's how those two, Shloshinu Hashmam and Lashonam, directly allowed and made possible the Geula. Those are two direct. The other ones are a little more indirect. If we would have been mixed up in Arayos ways, so then, the, then really the nations would have been totally intermingled, and how would we have gone out? If the families would have been intermixed, right? If the firstborns would have been intermixed. So we needed that to allow the Geula too. And finally, the Mitzrayim respected us. The Mitzrayim knew that we could keep a secret. The Mitzrayim knew that their valuables would be safe with us. That is why at the end of the Makos, when we needed to take out assets from Mitzrayim, because if we wouldn't go out with assets then the Gula wouldn't be able to happen. Because remember, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised Avram Avinu, they'll go out with great riches. So we only were able to have great riches because the Mitzrayim respected us. They respected us because we weren't Diltorin. We didn't uh, gossip and tell others, other people's secrets. They wouldn't have given them anything. They wouldn't have been the Gula. Like the Mara says in Brachas, in the Bavli. So because the Avram Avinu, So all of these four, says the Klayakar, amazingly, have to do with the Gula, not just as a, um, without connection, um, I'm going to give you a reward that's not connected to the four things that you did. You did a great thing, so I'll give you the geula. No. These four helped allow the geula to happen. And he ends up by saying, that's why he says, Yosef, The shmos, it's the names. The names. The names. These names came down, and these names were with them right now. Haboim, Lonishtanu, Shmosam, and Lashonam, as we said earlier. Okay. We continue now. Pazak Tezvav. So we have these Mialdos. We have the, fir- the uh, midwives. The midwives that are told by Paro, you have to kill the babies. Uh, just to mention again, in two minutes, remember, I, I referred to it before, the Rav Yeruchim on this Pasuk, that uh, we like to mention often, Shifra and Pua, Mishaperis is Abad, Poa is Abad. What was so significant about Shifra and Pua? That they coddled the baby, that they poo-pooed the baby, that the Torah calls them with those names? Now one would think, Yocheved and Miriam are gorgeous names. Right? Why would why would we the Torah have to cover that up with like goo-goo and, and coddling? And Rav Yeruchim explains... Because great people take little things and make them great. And little people could take great things and make them little. Great people. You could have something very small. You could have a child that brings home something little and insignificant. The parent can make a huge deal about it. The parent makes a big deal about it to give, to show honor and to show love and to show affection to the child. A great person. A little religious experience. Something small, but you make it great. A little person, you could have an unbelievable sheer, an unbelievable experience, and in one sly comment of late Sanus, a small person could take something great and make it little. Shifra and Pua, says Rav Yeruchim, they could have just looked at it, we're saving some babies, we're coddling the baby, we're changing the diaper, we're making the baby happy. No. You know how they looked at themselves? We're saving Klal Yisrael. We're saving the Jewish people. And they looked at what they were doing as great. And that's why the Torah wants to emphasize to us, they're little things, but they were major things. Okay, but let's get back to this year's offering, and that is from the Shemana Tov in the second volume. Shifra and Pua. 
Shifra and Pua. He starts off with a story. He starts a story from Rav Hillel Kalemeyer, who was Mefursam as a, somewhat of a radical, he quotes. He says that one time he stayed with a, at a, uh, at a Gevir's house, at a rich person's house. He was there for a couple of days. And every time the host did something, this guest of his berated him and was ma'orer what he was doing wrong. I think you should do this that different and that different. Even though the Balabayas was loved Rabbanon and he was doing him a favor. And finally, he couldn't hold back anymore. He says, I don't understand. Every time I do something, every, you have to comment. Just two weeks ago, there was a certain Admar here that was with me, and everything was Matzachein Be'inav. Shakol Tov, he didn't say anything, he didn't say there was any Chesronos. So what do you have to comment about every little thing for? So he answered, you know, the Torah says, there were two midwives, there was Shifra and there was Pua. Shifra and Pua. So what's a Shifra? Shifra is Mishaperes. Uh, coddles the baby and strokes the baby. What's pua? Pua. Makes sounds to the baby. So he says there are different types of admorim and different types of gdolim. He says some tzaddikim are like, just like the two types of mialdos. Shifra. Shifra. Coddling, stroking. Rabbi would say everything's good and wonderful and giving chizuk and encouragement. And that was the rabbi that was here two weeks ago. He says, I'm of the other type. I'm of the Pua type. I'm of the one that you have to say things when things need improvement. And when things need, obviously you might have to say it in a, in a way that's that's respectful. But, you know, there are two different types. There's Shifras and there's Puas. Two different types of leaders. Those that lift up with love and those that lift up with, you know, a little tochacha along the way. Says the Shemana based on this story, within each person there's always a balance needed of so many Midos. Firstly, what we're talking about here. Sometimes what we have to do to our friend is just love them. And that's what, by the way, has to be emphasized in this generation. You have to, even though they seem to be contradictory, you have to love and you have to hug and you have to um, and uh, honor and encourage, but also we have to try to, you know, improve and, and point out in a delicate way we have to be like Shifras and Puas. But then he says there are many Midos that we have this in. Sometimes we're called upon to have different elements in our religious personality, even though they go in opposite directions. He quotes Yosef at Tzadik. Yosef was Roa as Sonaviv. Yosef was a shepherd. Yosef was a shepherd. Yosef became a king. Those are opposite types of professions. A Roa Son, he says on the bottom, Hayodam is Bodid and Kono. A shepherd is a loner. He has a lot of time to think and meditate. Who's he with? He's with his sheep. He's separate. And yet, a king, his whole day is with people. Going to the next page. Political meetings, a meeting with his advisors. They're opposite. Yosef had to be both. Yosef was a shepherd, and Yosef was a man of the world. And we are called upon sometime, sometimes to have time alone, and that's a good thing, and sometimes to be involved socially. And then he quotes from Rev Salvechik. I've seen this before in print. He quotes from Rev Salvechik on the Medrash in Parshas Bracious, where the Medrash says, Adam Arishan was created from Afar Min Ha'adama, from dirt of the earth. And, and the Rashi quotes the Medrash there. Where's that dirt? It says, Min Ha'adama, from the ground. What's the ground? So, the Shnei Lashonos Namru Bachan Meimra. Number one, maybe the ground. Offer Shal Adam Hutzram Mikol Olam Kulo. The ground, Hashem took some dirt from all over the world. So man can be comfortable in any place on earth. But then the other day, he took dirt from the Makam HaMizbeach. The Makam HaMizbeach. That spot. So what does that mean? So Rav Salvechik explained, man needs to be both personal and specific and private as well as universal and connected to the world around him. You might say it's spiritual and physical, right? Connected to the base Hamigdash, connected to the world. However one wants to say it, but sometimes they go in opposite directions. Mechad Gisa, how he says it. 
We have our mabat, we have our vision on the whole world. And whenever there's a tragedy anywhere in the world, the Jews are the first ones that are there to help out. Because our dirt comes from all over. But we also are very private. And we're focused on the Mizbeach. And we're very private in that way. And therefore, we have to try to do a little of both. And he even says this about Moshe and Aaron. Moshe and Aaron, on the one hand, they have to be nice to Paro, and they have to have covered Malchus, and there are some Ramazim to that, but they also have to be strong. And that's that's the goal of every leader, and to every Jew, to balance these various opposing Midos that we have. But that is what it is to be a Jew. Ger v'toshav anochim achem, as we have elsewhere as as well. Opposite Midos, but that is what we need to uh, to do. Okay. Moving right along, Moshe Rabbeinu and the Sneh. Moshe Rabbeinu and the Sneh, we're skipping this, not skipping, we're not going to focus this year on the, the three fights that Moshe Rabbeinu breaks up. Moshe Rabbeinu is born. His mother can't hide him anymore. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu is born on Zion Adar. He's born three months early. We know that means that his um, due date was three months later, which is Vav Sivan. Uh, Shvuis was Moshe Rabbeinu's due date. Batsya, uh, or Bisya, saves Moshe. Moshe goes out. And um, we have the amazing stories. Okay, let's go to the Sneh, though. We'll see you at the end if there's any time to come back. So Moshe is the Roat's own. And Vayavol Harachokim Choreva. And he ends up, the Sneh, the Sneh, the Pasuk says, is on Chorev, is on Harsinai. It's so interesting, where Midian was, that's a little hike, that's a little trek. To go from where Midian is, Midian is kind of south, southeast of Eretz Yisrael. I have to go a little west, northwest, to get to the Sinai Desert. Somewhere in there is Harsinai, and that's where Moshe Rabbeinu was led to, um, where the Sne, where the Sne was. And Akadosh Baruch Hu starts talking to him. Asurana, right? He sees the the Sne burning. Moshe says, Asurana ve'eres amar agad lazeh madu lo yivra Sne. It's burning, but it's not getting burned up. Vayar Hashem kisar l'ros. Moshe Hashem realizes, so to speak, kaviyachol. Vayar Hashem that he turns. Vayikra ilav elokim mitoch asne. Vayomer Moshe, Moshe, Moshe. Vayom hineni. So he calls him by his name double. One of the four people in Tanakh. Moshe says hineni. So the first thing Hashem says to Moshe is call him by his name. Okay, but that doesn't count. Moshe, Moshe. Vayomer al tikrav alom shal nalecha me'araglecha. The first thing Hashem tells him is, don't come closer. Take off your shoes. Ki amakam asharato made alav ad maskodeshu. Where you are standing is holy ground. The Chavaz Chaim picks up on that. Take that statement out of context. Wherever you are standing is holy ground. You, Jew, wherever you are standing, the Chavaz Chaim says, the Torah is talking to us. Wherever we are standing is holy ground where we can accomplish. Hashem says to Moshe, I am the God of your forefathers. Interesting thinking about it. Who taught Moshe about Judaism? Or about Avram Yisrael and Yaakov? He grew up in the palace. Right? Did he have like private uh, meetings with his father, right? With his brother, with his sister? Must have. Right? He goes out. He knew he was Jewish. So I am the God of your forefathers. Vayaster Moshe Panov. Moshe hides his face. Because he's fearful. He's fearful of looking at Hakadosh Baruch Hu, So he hides his face. He hides his face. Chazal have a lot to say about that about Moshe Rabbeinu hiding his face. You look at Ramosha in source number seven. Ramosha Feinstein, who they wanted to write on his kever, Mimosha and Moshe and Moshe, will come to Moshe, but I've heard that he nixed the plan beforehand. So only the Rambam was Zohar to get Mimosha and Moshe. But Moshe, Ramosha Feinstein talks about Moshe Rabbeinu here. Sarach Lavin Ma Sha'al Vayasr Panavayel Moshe Schar. There are some Ma'amari Chazal that give Moshe reward for hiding his face. Because it was an act of humility. Vigam nanash, but also punishment. Sha'amar Kadesh Baruch Hu b'vakash soharini nas kvodecha. Right? When Moshe Rabbeinu asks in Kisisa, let me see your honor, Hashem says, well, I, when I wanted to show you, you weren't interested. Now you're interested. Right? Kisharatzisi la razisa. So what, was it something positive or not? That Moshe Rabbeinu hid his face. Says the Drash Moshe, it's a little of both. It's a little of both. Venira. 
to Moshe Merovan Vesanuso Chashav. Shaadayin Lohigiazman, Shiroy Lagili Shina Kazu. Moshe knew that the goal of life is to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and bring Hashraz HaShchina, but he did not think that he was yet on that level. He didn't know that he would merit it. And for that reaction, he got schar for it. Even within each of our actions, this Musr, this is a Musr, even within our, each of our actions, we could get schar v'onish from the same action, depending on every aspect of the action. So that act of humility, Moshe receives Scharon. Aval HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Heishev Lo Hashem, also answered, Shaharatzon La'asig Dvarim Gedolim Ke'elu, Havili Lachriya Midas Anavashalo. I'm talking to you about your forefathers and to take out Am Yisrael from Mitzrayim. You can't be an Anav in that situation. You can't back off in that situation. Sometimes history calls you. And with all your humility, Moshe, I need you to step up. Which he did. Sometimes even the greatest Mida has to be overcome. Like, if one has to pask in the Shiloh when there's nobody else to pask in the Shiloh. That even if the person thinks to himself that maybe I'm not ra'ui, muchrach lahoros, right? Then he has to paskin. He should not think about being humble in that situation. As he quotes the Gemara in Masecha Sota. Reboshi here is talking autobiographically. Autobiographically. Because he writes the same thing in his introduction to the Igris Moshe. In source number eight. And this is an unbelievable comparison where Moshe Rabbeinu is being discussed by Rav Moshe Feinstein, the Moshe Rabbeinu of our generation. And Rav Moshe Feinstein is saying there has to be such a delicate balance between humility and knowing who you are and stepping up to the plate when Hashem needs you. That's exactly what he did. With all of his humility, that we know of so many stories about Rav Moshe, unbelievable self-effacement. And yet, yet he knew. He knew he didn't want to know. He thought of himself as very small. But he said, everybody asked me questions. They want to know my opinion. Okay, I have to say it. Right? That's what he writes in the, in the source number eight. I gave you the Hakdama to the Igris Moshe. After he wrote in the first paragraph, who am I? Who am I to Paskin? Look on line 14. Kol Shekain. Luktani era kamoni. To those small of value, like me. She'ein bitorah. V'chachma karoi. That I don't have Torah and Chachma. Right, that I, I should just not paskin at all. I heard recently a story that Reb David Feinstein, Reb Moshe's great son. So Reb Moshe gave the big shear on Friday morning. Friday morning, the Dibris Moshe came from his shear on Friday morning. He used to give a few hours of shear. He stayed up all night on Thursday night, writing up what he was going to say, and he gave the shear. So Reb David Feinstein and Reb Nissen Alpert learned Bechavrusa, Thursday morning, all day, they stayed up all night on Thursday night, and then they had preparing for the shear, and then they went to the shear. They went to the shear on Friday morning, and they heard Ramosha's shear. And then they heard that they did a little, they went out to, to, to have a little exercise, get ready for Shabbos, and then Friday night they collapsed after being up for two days, uh, straight. But this was Ramosha, Ramosha writes. I know, nobody in our generation will look at Ramosha and say he's not Roy, but he himself had that had that uh, difficulty. But he says in the next paragraph, The wise men of every generation have the obligation. Even though they wouldn't be right? Even though there were those that said, there were other gedolim that said, if Rav Moshe had lived 300 years ago, he would have been a gadol adar in that generation also. But Ramosha says, I have this balance, and what could I do? I, if I did the proper homework, as Ramosha writes, even if I might not be machaving to the MS, 
This is where Moshe talks about two different types of truth. Not our topic now. If a rabbi, if a wise man analyzes properly, he studies the subject as hard as he can. With seriousness. That's MS. And he has to paskin. It's so fascinating that Rav Moshe says this vart in source number seven that we saw about Moshe Rabbeinu, because that's exactly what Rav, Moshe, what Rav Moshe Feinstein lived with, and he had that balance between the Anava and stepping up and knowing Kla Yisrael needs you. Okay. Moving right along, we get to quote from a new sefer that just came out recently. That's the second volume of Rav Shechter on the Parsha. The second volume of Rav Shechter on the Parsha, where he puts together in his classic way so many different elements. Again, this is a Pesach vart, but uh, we'll say it now because it's also a Shmos vart. A number of simple, straightforward questions. Number one, as we know, Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Paro. And it bothers a number of Mepharshim. He comes to Paro, and what does he say? Right when he comes to Paro, the first conversation, he says, Paro, let him out or else I'm going to kill your firstborn. In the first conversation that Moshe Rabbeinu has with Paro, he tells him about Makas Bechoros. Right, if you look, this is even in the, this is not even talking to Paro yet. This is Hashem telling Moshe what to say to Paro. Paro. And if you refuse to send him out, he nay Anochi Horeg as Bincha Bahorecha, I will the 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 Jews are my firstborn, so I'm gonna kill your firstborn. Right? Rashi says there, he makachronas, the last maka, Uba Hisreyu Trila. And that's the one that's listed first, that's worn first, but they kasha, because that's the hardest, the most serious one. Right, a Basar Vadam has to hide his secret weapons. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to let you know right now what I'm going to do and see if you can try to stop me. But the question is maybe a little deeper. So why is Machas Bacharis mentioned, mentioned first? Question number one. Question number two. The Gemara tells us, both in the Bavli and the Yerushalmi, that part of the mitzvah of Zechir Sisiyas Mitzrayim Every day and every night has to be a mention of Makas Bechoros. Makas Bechoros is mentioned in the paragraphs after Shema, both in Shachris and in Mairif. What is the special quality of, what, what does Makas Bechoros add to the story? Just talk about Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. Why do you have to mention Makas Bechoros? Question two. Question three. There are no mitzvos to remember any of the other makos. Right, there's no mitzvah to remember, to, there's no mitzvah that reminds us of Arov. Right, okay, there's a, there's a minog of Dam Svardea by the, by the Seder, but there's no minog. And yet, Makas Bechoros, Pidyon Aben, Petach Hamar, Bechor Tahora. Right, so there's a number of mitzvos. So Makas Bechoros is unique. It was mentioned first, and it, um, has, it has to be mentioned in, um, None of the other makas have to be mentioned in the in this in Yisias Mitzrayim, and there are mitzvahs related to it. Says based on the Briska Rav, says Rav Shachter. In general, what was the purpose of the makos, which we start next week? It was a twofold purpose, and makas Bacharis is going to be a third purpose. What was the twofold purpose of, of the uh, makos? So, number one, first and foremost, it was a punishment. We know that it was a punishment for the Mitzrayim. Right, and everyone was exactly um, um, made for and created for a specific sin that they did. Okay, fashion for that. Number two, though, it was a fulfillment of the promise of the Brisbane Abbasarim. Right, the Pasuk says, I will judge that nation through the Eser Makos. Maybe three, not into four, not just two and three. A third, number one, punishment. Actually not. This is all one. It's a punishment and this is a fulfillment of the Gamasar But there was a second purpose to the Makos turning the page, and that is to prove to the Mitzrayim and even to Am Yisrael Ikari Ha'emuna. 
Right? Every one of the makos shows that Kaddish Baruch Hu is in charge of something else. Right? The psukim say, Ani Hashem Kamoni All the psukim in in uh, in in these parshios demonstrate the truth of all the Ikari Amuna to the Jewish people. He exists as an invisible power. He's aware of worldly events. He has the ability to intervene, meaning Atzchova Onesh, punishing Rishaim, rewarding Sadikim. Right? He's in charge of the Iker of Geula, that Yemos HaMashiach. Right? Everything. Ein Mazal Yisrael. All the Ikari Amunar came through the Makos. So that's the second element of the purpose of the Makos. So again, we have number one, punishment. Number two, teaching Ikari HaEmuna to the Mitzrayim and to the Jews. But then Makas Bechoros has a third element. Makas Bechoros, now he writes on page 83 there, this Maka was intended as a means to force Paro to free B'nai Yisrael. In other words, Hashem wanted Makas Bechoros to be the Maisa Shichrer, the act of emancipation of the Jewish people. Makas Bechoros was, it wasn't just that we left, because if an Eved leaves, he might have to still have the status of the Eved. We weren't going to run away. We needed Paro to free us. We needed Paro to go and run us out of the country. Not that we would run away. When he runs us out of the country, our status changed. Right? Like a, like a star shikhra, like a, a, a document of emancipation of an, of an Eved. Right? And that's, that's different. Right, not just an escape. An Eved who escapes still requires a formal legal mechanism to terminate the status of Abdus. That was accomplished, says Roshachter, when Moshe's Nevu of Makas Bacharis came to fruition at Chatzos. At which point, Paro himself of Bachar, afraid for his life, freed the Jewish people. He freed them. So this is a crucial stage of Zechir Sisiyas Mitzrayim. And we have mitzvos related to this, because this was the moment that we became not just physically free, but we became forever Avde Hashem. We left the status of Avde Paro, and we became Avde Hashem. And towards the end, he quotes from the Nesivis. In the Maisa Nisim, on the Hadahagado, we say in Vehemuna Kozos every, every night. In Vehemuna. Right? We say on the right side, on the, on the, at the end. Hamaka Be'avraso Kol Bechari Mitzrayim. Or we mention Makas Bechoros. Hashem smote in his anger all the firstborns. But if we would think about every line in Davening, Davening would be much more meaningful. We could analyze every line. We're going to analyze one. Hashem smote the firstborns and he took the Jews out for eternal freedom. Says the Nesivis, it's that act of Makas Bechoros that created the Cheris Olam. It was, and, and forever, eternally. What do I mean eternally? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get, uh, Meshubit again, but the status will never come back. The status came from the promise of the Brisbane Abbasarim. The Brisbane Abbasarim contained the triple decree. Geiris Avdus Inui. They were all realizing Geiris Golas Mitzrayim. However, in later generations, there were many unfortunate points on our history. There was Geiris, there was Inui, which we've had Adayomazeh. Geiris and Inui. But Avdus, Never came back. Once there was Makas Bechoros, that star Shichrur of Paro, the Jewish people would never again be labeled as Avadim, and consequently would never require a further Maisa Shichrur. That's Hamake Be'evrasa Kol Bechari Mitzrayim. Therefore, Vayosei Amo Yisrael Mitocham L'Cheris Pretty amazing. Okay, one more thought for the evening. Let's see the words of the Zera Shimshon. The Zerashim shown in towards the end of the parsha, Parakei Pasuk Dalid. The Pasuk tells us Moshe Rabbeinu goes, and things get worse. Right? The Paro tells Moshe, "What are you bothering us for? Let the Jews work. You go back to your lesivlo sechem." What does that mean? Go back to your work. What's that an allusion to? Rashi quotes. Then Moshe and Aaron were not part of the Shebud. Right? Don't bother them, says Paro. Right? So Chazal learned from there. Right? Levi wasn't in the Shebud. That's how Moshe and Aaron went in and out. Right? The whole rest of the country, the whole rest of the nation was Meshubid, but Levi wasn't. 
says the Zerashimshon, after quoting that Rashi. And he adds the Dasakanim. You know why they didn't weren't in the Shibud? Because they're going to work in the Beis HaMikdash. Ma HaKesher. What is the connection? Because they were going to work in the Beis HaMikdash, therefore they weren't in the Shibud Mitzrayim. What is the connection? First of all, the language of the Brisbane Abbasarim. What does it say there? They will be, your children will be in a strange land. I understand the Pasik says the whole nation is going to be in servitude. So he says you could get out of the Pasik. Right? It could have said, Maybe you put a comma. Right? Maybe it could be, The whole nation, Some of them. So maybe that's how you could read the Pasik. But, but what's the, what's the reason? What's the reason? Od Yesh Lomar, line 22. Isa b'medrash ha'pazet v'yakam al-achadash kishemais Yosef hefeiru brismila. When Yosef died, we know B'nai Yisrael stopped doing brismila in in Mitzrayim. Amru niyak Mitzrayim. They said, you know what? Let's let's be like, we don't want to be different physically from the Egyptians. They stopped doing brismila. Kivin sha'asu kain ha'kadosh baruch ha'fak ha'kadosh baruch hu ha'ava sh'ahayu ha'mitzrayim ha'avim osam what led to the Shibud, according to the Medrash? Our Ratzon to be like the other nation. To be like Mitzrayim, to cover up our Brismila and not to give Brismila to our children. V'yavkan kasha. And again, says the Medrash, uh, says the Zerah Shimshon. Without, if, we, if we would have done Brismila, we wouldn't have had the Shibud. There was a promise. There was a promise that we would be Meshubid. El Avada, you must be, says the Zerah Shimshon, that's what had to be. And then, it could lead to but it also could have stopped with the first stage. And since Sheva Levi did Brismila, they didn't get to that second stage. They just had Be'eris Lolahem, and they didn't have Avadim Ve'inu Osam. But then he says, but what's the connection to Beis Hamigdash? Says the Zerah Shimshon. Maybe the same root Mida of why Levi refused to stop doing Brismila. Levi continued to do Brismila is the same Mida that makes him most appropriate to serve in the Migdash. Because that's what leaders do. Leaders do what needs to be done. Leaders are examples for the rest of the nation. And they try to be leaders. And they try to be different. And maybe that's the same roots why Levi worked, did Mila, whatever the reasons are, it was dangerous, they were different. And that's what gave them this chus to later on, after Chete Egel, they were the ones that would be the ones to work in the base of Migdash. Kind of worked together. There was a connection. Right? They couldn't be machrech than the shibud because they stood up. And a proud Jew and a different Jew in that way is the safe Jew in in uh, in Mitzrayim at that time. So we should all be proud of who we are and the mitzvahs that we do, and um, not try to be misarev but just try to have both the universal and the personal, as we saw before, the balance. And we should be zochet to be able to read Sefer HaGeula and be zochet to the actual Geula, the Meher of Yemen.